When my team and I get lost or don't know what to do next, we go back to the learnings from this book. The book is The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. It's an application of ideas from Dr. James Carr's book, Finite and Infinite Games. By the way, this episode is brought to you by the members of buymeacoffee.com daily. Visit the website and become a member today to unlock additional content. Your support or membership makes learning accessible to all. Hi, I'm Day, and welcome to Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment. This book has helped me with coming up with a clear direction for myself and the people I work with. Understanding the infinite mindset helps us push ourselves and others to the path of fulfillment. If we listen to the language of so many of our leaders today, it's as if they don't know the game in which they are playing. Before we talk about the infinite game, let's look at what finite games are. Think of playing sports. There are rules to abide by and the most important rules are that everyone playing the sport is agreeing on when it starts, stops, and how to score the point and the deciding factor on how to win. And this is what finite games are. And many people might think that business is a finite game. But nope, there's no start and stop times that all players agree upon. I mean, sure, there are rules such as legal things that should be followed, but what the players do within those rules is up to them. Not to mention, some don't really play by the rules. And this is why the business world is an infinite game. Might sound crazy before, but nowadays, people agree that profit and revenue are not the only signs of business strength. Just looking at the revenue and profits as the deciding factor of success leads to disaster. High profits would mean nothing if you are not strong enough to face tomorrow's challenges. Leaders need to think in terms of an infinite game. They should build a foundation that is not designed to win, but rather to last for generations to come. When business plans are focused on short-term goals, like getting the best possible earnings for the next quarterly report, it creates a tunnel vision that ignores what's important like innovating or creating the best product or service that people actually want. Here is a really good example from the world of business. The original guiding principle of Microsoft from Bill Gates is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. This falls under the infinite mindset. Although in the early 2000s, and maybe most of you will remember this, the former CEO of Microsoft, Steve Ballmer, became focused on beating Apple and gaining more market share. They chased after the iPod with the Zune, and this destroyed their reputation. Yes, the device was technologically better in many, many ways, but Microsoft became less known for its innovative and empowering products, and Apple started to get traction as a company that created entirely new markets. Simon Sinek mentions five essential practices that make up the infinite mindset. Advance a just cause, build trusting teams, study your worthy rivals, prepare for existential flexibility, and demonstrate the courage to lead. Let's go with the first, which might be the most important practice, advance a just cause. Just as Bill Gates intended Microsoft to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more, a just cause is inspirational as it looks towards a better future and lets the people working with you know what they are working towards. It should represent the benefit your business aims to provide. It helps for it to be inclusive, bold, and idealistic, something capable of changes in the future. 
It's not a long-term goal. Many companies do this through mission statements that just aim to be the biggest or best at something. Something generic and typical like, we will be the best global leader in every market we serve, and we will be sought after for great design, superior quality, and best value. The issue here is that the focus is inward that benefits the company, and the benefits for the customer are more of an after effect. When thinking about your just cause, what is more important for you, customers or shareholders? An economist named Adam Smith in the 18th century wrote a book called The Wealth of Nations. Smith puts the interests of the consumer as being primary, while the interests of the company are secondary. He thought it was obvious since a business that doesn't have happy customers won't last. Then, another economist named Milton Friedman came along in the mid-20th century. And Friedman put the focus on the shareholder. He wrote that the primary responsibility of any free market enterprise is to make money and that the money belongs to the owners and shareholders of the company. And because of this, the shift happened in the 80s and 90s from consumers to shareholders. And since profit, short-term earnings, and boosting stock prices was the measurement of a successful business, strategies started becoming focused to it. And so what happened was companies cut costs, lay off employees, reduce research and development budgets as far as they could. This was not questioned since the responsibility of a company for Friedman was earning money for the shareholder. Unfortunately, the imbalance this creates is dangerous, leading to crashes in the market. So looking back, it looks like Adam Smith, the first economist, was the one with the right idea all along. But since Friedman's shareholder-based ideas have become so accepted, people going against this concept can be seen as irresponsible. For the infinite game, success is all about longevity. This means that the focus is not on the short-term earnings, but on taking care of the people who want to support your company. One of the purposes of a just cause is to draw people into your vision of the future. So this means it's not just about the customers who will be drawn to the vision of the future, but the employees as well. And it starts with respect. Treating employees with respect doesn't cost much. The returns would be motivation, loyalty, and productivity, which all lead to added revenue. Here's an example of a company most people are familiar with, Apple. Apple's leadership decided to think differently and treat their retail outlet employees the same way as they do their corporate employees. The same healthcare packages and retirement benefits. This led to a 90% retainment where the industry average for retail was about a maximum of 30%. True, there are costs to this, but the benefits of spending less on recruitment and training, along with the benefit of having loyal and highly motivated employees who deliver superb service, make up for it. And a culture of trust will lead to better business practices with proper ethical conduct. When profit becomes the main focus of a business, the result is an uninspiring just cause, and it leads to distrust and in some cases, unethical business practices. When there is a lack of trust in a company, accidents and poor performance become the norm. This is because no one will be comfortable speaking up when there is something wrong or they're unsure of what to do. A good example of this is the Ford Motor Company. When the new CEO replaced the old one, he realized that the previous CEO had a habit of scolding and even firing people who brought bad news to his attention. And because of this, people were conditioned 
to only bring good news to their leaders. Understanding this, the new CEO started meetings by encouraging everyone to bring bad news to the table. And of course, at first, no one wanted it since they felt it was a trap. But eventually, someone had the guts to do so. And to everyone's relief, the CEO started to celebrate the bad news with a round of applause. Soon, it became apparent to everyone that it was safe to discuss bad news so that it could be solved. Just because someone has a problem does not mean that you are the problem. Having regular meetings where people are encouraged to share their concerns is one way to build trusting teams, and it has its benefits. Take for example, one oil rig of Shell Oil Company. During the first meeting, the employees were gathered in circles just to talk about their lives. In a highly masculine setting, it was a touchy-feeling thing, but it formed strong bonds and established trust. And the result? Their overall accident rate reduced by 84%. Looking at these, the culture of trust requires that the company's values and behavior are aligned with the people first and not profit. Otherwise, a culture of unethical behavior can take over. Here's an example. In Wells Fargo, between 2011 and 2016, over 3 million fake bank accounts were created by employees. Even the CEO knew about this. This was because the high-pressure sales culture was brought about by the do-anything-to-reach-unreachable quotas or risk-getting-fired environment. True enough, the employees risked everything and created fake accounts just to reach their quotas. Just like sports, when you're playing against a worthy opponent, it gets exciting and it forces you to raise your skill level and even learn new techniques. It is the same for infinite-minded businesses. Here are some examples of how this can help. Let's go back to Ford Motor Company. The CEO wanted the managers to start driving cars made by Toyota and Lexus to learn from them and find out why people prefer these cars over a Ford. Also, the CEO's intention was not also for the competitors to go out of business since he knew that the vendors and suppliers Ford relied on could go out of business if that happens. So when the 2008 recession hit, the CEO actually supported the efforts to help his rivals. But learning from rivals does not mean blatantly copying them. Sometimes, it means learning from them and having existential flexibility. Existential flexibility is the ability to initiate disruption to a strategy or business model to advance the just cause. In simpler terms, it's scrapping everything that you have done and changing your plans so that you could push your just cause forward. To understand this further, take for example Apple. In 1979, Steve Jobs saw the graphical user interface, or GUI, of Xerox. It introduced the point-and-click, and it didn't require a user to have any computer language knowledge. This caused Steve Jobs to immediately change Apple's plans. This was because Apple's just cause was to make computers an empowering tool for as many people as possible. And because of this, it was a no-brainer for a GUI to be in an Apple computer. So after four years, the first Macintosh was born. And of course, Microsoft, seeing this, also released Windows 2.0 four years after. These are easy to say, but very challenging to do. You may have a just cause that advances a purpose that is bigger than anyone, and it's more than just profit. This is good because it helps everyone work towards something together.
But for any leader, it takes courage to lead. Demonstrating courage to lead is a commitment to the just cause and setting an example for others. As a leader, you should be able to stand your ground and live your just cause. It's challenging because there will come a time where committing to the just cause might go against your finite goals. Imagine Steve Jobs when he had to immediately change Apple's plans just to insert the GUI. To understand this better, here's an example of demonstrating the courage to lead other than Steve Jobs. Let's look at CVS Caremark. It is a long-running drugstore chain. CVS's just cause was to help people on their path to better health. So in 2014, after reflecting on their just cause, they chose to stop selling cigarettes even if they knew that doing that will make them lose around $2 billion in revenue. And on the day of the announcement, there was a 1% drop in the stock price. However, after a year and a half, the price had doubled to a record high. And that wasn't all. Over the next three years, the stockholders got a 70% increase in their earnings per share. This also pushed CVS to sell nicotine gums and patches and started doing business with more health-oriented vendors who previously did not want anything to do with them. And when courage is demonstrated, it closes the loop of the infinite game so that you can go through the just cause, building a trusting team, studying worthy rivals, existential flexing, and demonstrating the courage to lead again and again for long-lasting success. And that was a quick summary of The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. If you found this quick summary useful, please do share it with at least three people who would also benefit from this. Of course, this being a summary, not everything can be discussed. So if this summary has interested you, please do get a copy of the book. And if you have book suggestions or you just want to say something, you can always message me on Instagram at daily. And if you have thoughts that you would like to share on social media about what you just listened to, you can do so with the hashtag DailyBookClub. Again, my name is Day, and thank you for listening to the Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment.